I feel swimmy, high, adrenaline on full tilt, though I haven't consumed a drop of alcohol. We need to subdue him first, I hear myself say. Can't just slap a hand on his face and hope it knocks him out. Marley nods, though she's too encumbered to move quickly, and me? There's no guarantee of what I can do. I have pepper spray. She fidgets with her purse as though she's about to withdraw it. And it's not like we have to break in, Grace. He'll let us in when he sees it's me. Think I'm coming to talk. Okay, then. I say before I lose my nerve. And we get in her car and drive. We park and walk four residential blocks. The streets are lit by yellow halogen lamps, but there's also a nearly full moon. Its bold light makes me feel bolstered, sanctioned. Marley points to his condo. One square box among many in a beige world of homogenous residences. This could have been my life. Marley whispers, her face a portrait of disgust. I should be in that kitchen right now making dinner, then go spread my legs for him. I can't believe he thought he could get away with what he did to me. The guilt surges through me again. If only I hadn't healed away the evidence. But we didn't know. Nobody could have known. Let's do it soon before I chicken out. My palms have begun to ache with heat. Damn straight, she agrees, and the toss of her hair is so familiar it's like we're 15 again. Simultaneously, we take a deep breath. <sighs> Marley repeats her lines. I'll say we're here to talk, that I brought you as my friend and witness. That'll put him on his best behavior in you. I choke a little on my own saliva, cough and answer. <clears throat> I'll ask for a glass of water. Say I got too much sun today. He'll take one look at me and have a hard time refusing, right? Marley pats her purse. Let's go. She's always one step ahead of me. Chapter One, Drake's Bay. This morning my hands are so hot, sweat slides my mug out of my grasp and coffee spills down my right leg, like liquid fire. On the way to the bus in the pre-sunrise dark, a voice from the past drifts to me, as though I'm a radio tower. Grace, you're mistress of your destiny. Marley's voice. Come on, tell the flame. Whether the memory has been summoned by the pain or something else, I go to work cavalier as always, as though my heightened senses are not important, as if everything is not about to change. At the office, Dr. Lieb, Adam to me, is hunched over the fax machine jiggling it, the paper jammed. The thrum of its electricity beats inside me, like blood in my veins. If he tugs too hard, the fax, then his laboratory-grown skin, will rip, and he'll say shit, and then look around as though he's killed someone's pet kitten. I marvel at how capable he is with patients, such steady hands, and how inept he is with the simplest of office equipment, and women. He hasn't caught sight of me yet. I'm about to impose myself between him and the machine to keep him from breaking it, when Helen, party pooper on any moment that resembles intimacy, hurries into the office and flicks on the fluorescence. I cringe against their light. Oh, good lord, you two scared me she says, but scowls at me as though her fright is my fault. She steps up so close to Adam that if he were to turn too quickly, they might kiss. He frowns and almost hops backwards, which pleases me. When Helen has something to deliver to my desk, she drops it in a hurry, as though in a leprous. You can't catch this, I want to tell her. But sometimes I wish I could disfigure people with the slightest look. I'm glad you're here early, Dr. Lieb. I need to consult with you, she says and touches a hand coyly to her business-like bun. Behind her is a poster of the human musculature system, the body looking like a victim of torture flayed down to tender bits. He scowls at the facts and looks quickly at me with a plea in his eyes. I've got it, I say, a knowing smile twisted on my lips. Go ahead. I expect him to attend to Helen's insistence, 
but to my surprise, he pushes his dark brown bangs, always an inch too long, out of his eyes and sighs. <sighs> Helen, if you can wait, I need to talk to Grace. The princess snubbed for the toad. I try not to do a victory dance. Helen buttons it up and strides into the front office like a third-place runner-up in a beauty contest. I put my hands on the fax machine as a cue that I'm going to take over, and he slides his own away before we can chance a touch. And oh, the kinds of touches we actually make are nothing like what passes through my mind. His callous fingers on the few smooth places left on my body, between my thighs, at the back of my neck as it curves into my spine. You're here early, he says, jarring me out of my fantasy. This is one of those moments when I'm glad it's hard to read the expressions on my face.